In roller derby, holding space is an empowering, often intimidating act of strength and strategy for oneself and or teammates. Holding Space, the podcast, clears the floor for conversations that touch upon race, class, identity, and privilege to amplify stories, build community, and make more connections in the skate world. Expect lots of smart, dope skate people musing about life on and off eight wheels and silliness. Can't forget the silliness that you never knew you needed and won't be able to live without. This is Holding Space with Magical Realism. Welcome. What's up, y'all? Today's guest needs no introduction for followers of skater social media. Mian is the creator of the Instagram Paku Skate, which has become a clubhouse of sorts, equal parts home, hang, and hub of bipak centric topics, issues, and images. Through Paku Skate, Neon has hosted or sponsored Spanish language skater terms, classes, Q&As, events, book and film discussions, fundraisers, takeovers, and more. IRL, the LA native, co-founded and built a skating collective in Madison, Wisconsin, where she landed after attending college elsewhere in the state. She's also an alum of Madison Roller Derby and Team Iran and is a avid park skater. Since this convo, which was recorded in the spring, she's also announced the co-launch of a wheel company with Olive of Queer Skate Alliance called Radical Wheels. I could just sing the praises of this dope human for the entirety of this episode, but I'm gonna just let this thoughtful conversation get underway. Enjoy. I grew up in Los Angeles and I wanted to go somewhere. I wanted to travel kind of far away from home and and just go somewhere where nobody knew me and I could just start over and be whoever and there were no assumptions or anything. So I went to school, a really small school in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is about two and a half hours or two hours um, northeast of here. And that's actually where a lot of uh, like paper mills are. And I'm sure they're thriving on the toilet paper (laughs) purchases these past couple of months. So I went to school there. I graduated in 2012. I stayed there for another year. Uh, and I, like the last month, I think, of college was when I started to play derby. I joined a local league there. Like I didn't have a car. I didn't have skates or anything. So, you know, this random person, she became my derby mom. She came and picked me up one day and I had no idea who she was. She had no idea who I was. And she would like, you know, carpool me to practice. And we developed this like really wonderful friendship. And and so I started up there and I applied to law school at, at UW-Madison and I was waitlisted. And so during that time, when I was waiting to hear back, I moved to Madison because, you know, the Derby was so much better here. Like that was, you know, Mad Roland Dolls is who they're now Madison Roller Derby. Um, at the time they were in the, I don't know, like tw- 22, 25. I don't know. They were, they were pretty good. So I wanted to come down here and, and skate with them. And then I ended up not getting into law school and just kind of gave up that dream <laughs> and kind of just found another job that I liked. And, and I just, I kind of do similar work. Um, I've been doing software testing, but I'm getting into 
like regulatory side of things because I work for a medical device company. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. So had you skated before? I heard about or Derby. Heard I had a friend. I heard about it because I had, I have, um, she's still my friend. She went to school down in Chicago and she started playing with the outfit. And, you know, so I knew about Derby, but I thought, oh, you have to be athletic. You have to know how to skate already. You know, I can't do that. Like, I'm not athletic. I don't, I'm not, I've never roller skated before. And then I watched a, I watched a couple of documentaries. One was about Rose City. One was about Texas like the league that brought it back, that brought Derby back. And and I was like, wow, these people are just like me. Like these are people that I would want to be friends with in real life. Like I need to go do this roller derby thing. So there were two leagues in Appleton because of some drama, they split apart. And I went to a practice, you know, for each of them. And I picked a league that I wanted to skate with. They've since combined their programs and there, everything's cool up there now. Squash their um, beef. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it. And it helped me through a weird time in my life when I first started. And yeah, I played for uh, Madison Roller Derby between 2014 and 2018. My rookie year, I shattered my ankle. I tripped over myself at practice. Oh my god. I have a tri or had a trimalleolar fracture. So I've got a plate and nine screws on my left ankle still. And that was like devastating. And then the next year I made the B team, skated on the B team for a season, and then skated on the charter team for a season, went to D one playoffs before like the structure changed to like the Continental Cups and all that, how it is now. Um in twenty seventeen. That was September twenty seventeen. 2018 January end of January early February was the roller derby world cup where I skated with team Iran and then March of 2018 is when I had my concussion what about the concussion made you decide to to step away from the sport it was really really bad like I didn't start having symptom free days until August and, and I had that concussion towards the end of March oh gosh Yeah. So I ended up going to, I saw my, you know, PT, not PT, my general, my GP, general practitioner a couple of times. And then she recommended that I go to physical therapy, PT, to see sports medicine guy. And he really, really helped me a lot. And then I was doing like acupuncture, massage, because a lot of the leftover headache that I was experiencing after we worked out like the issues with my eyes processing things at different speeds in physical therapy. So that everything that was left over was like tension in my neck. And so I did dry needling, which is different from acupuncture. And then I did like cupping and massage and all of that. And and it was really, really awesome. And a lot of people don't think that you can actually go to physical therapy for a concussion. And that's totally not true. So, and, you know, just in general, there's not much about you know, we don't know a lot about concussions, you know, like, especially because these big sports leagues that make a lot of money off these athletes, they want to keep that shit hush hush. And, you know, in Derby, it's interesting, too, because it's like the injury that you can't see. 
And so, you know, some of my teammates were very supportive and others I definitely kind of got weird vibes from like, like, no, I don't want to sit here and watch you guys play. I'm not being lazy. Like I'm in pain. I would love to play with you guys, you know? So it just wasn't worth it for me to go back and risk getting another concussion because I had already, like my brain was already altered, like in a way that I've never recovered from. Like I still struggle to find the words sometimes. My jaw permanently clicks because I got shoulder checked in the jaw. So it was a high lock and a counterclockwise hit to my jaw. And, you know, I there are so many other forms of skating that... You also don't need to sacrifice your body for for anything, for yeah. a derby or a sport. Like, it's perfectly fine to be like, I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah, so I kind of... I felt it was it was heartbreaking and I was really angry for a long time because I felt like my derby career was taken from me and it wasn't my choice to leave. And so that was I really struggled with that for probably almost a year and then I kind of made my peace and you know and and the one thing that my physical therapist did which was just so wonderful was that he told me to like never stop skating like because that's such a huge part of my identity. He said, you know, I want you to go to the skate park. Like, don't do anything crazy, but like you can monitor your heart rate. You have control over, you know, when you can say I've had enough for today, you know, whereas at practice, you might feel like you're letting people down and you might feel that internal and external pressure to keep going. And so he really, you know, he said like part of the healing process for concussion is like, it's emotional. It's, you know, it's mental. You have to, you have to retain those parts of your identity. And so like, I am forever grateful to that physical therapist that helped me. He was just, yeah, he made a huge difference in my recovery process. I'm really happy that you found that person and that person came to your life and was able to help you walk you through, you know, heal you back to health. I know that when I've been injured, the predominant tone has always been like, oh, don't you do that again? Or like, you know what I mean? Like kind of like trying to dissuade you yeah. from returning to the sport. So that's, or from skating. And so I, that's awesome to hear. Um, yeah. So you, so you started up ramp skating yeah. a year later. Is that right? So I, I started ramp skating in 2014 as part of my recovery for my ankle injury because I could go to the skate park and practice pumping and, you know, not do any, do anything too crazy, you know, and, and still be skating. And, and that was part of my physical therapy was to, you know, slowly increase my activity and the weight bearing and all of that. But once I got drafted to the travel team, I just didn't have enough time to commit to safely do to, to safely skate at the park. So you know, I've been, I've been, I dabbled in it kind of between 2014 and 2018. And 2018 was really when I picked it back up again. And that became, you know, my primary form of skating. A lot of people, I don't know how they do it. They play on the travel team, they park skate, they work full time, they cross train. Like I, I value my contribution to like my local community in Madison and like the skate community at large that I don't mind giving up some of my own time in order to do that work. And so for me, like 
I just, I can't balance all of those things. So once I was, yeah, I kind of, I got really into it in 2018 when I was, um, you know, working through my concussion recovery. Do you think there's been a renaissance or not maybe like a renaissance, but like just a real growth in that skating genre? In park skating? Yeah. I, it's, oh, yeah, I can't absolutely. tell because I've, I've been, I don't do it, but I've, I feel like it's only gotten on my radar as a lot more derby people have crossed over into it. But as someone who's done it for quite a bit now, could you tell me more about your experience in terms of like the community side yeah, well, and that sort of thing? It's growth. I mean, roller skating at skate parks is not a new thing. Like it's been around for decades, but there has been this resurgence with like Moxie and resurgence. CIB. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> with those two brands really like kicking up the scene, whether for, you know, the growth of the community or personal profit, like they've done a lot of work to grow the park skating community. So like when I first went in, you know, 2014, 2015, it was mostly just me. A couple of people would come with me every now and then. Um, and there was one other skater who I would, I would skate with her pretty, pretty regularly. And she's like an OG skater from like mouse from like the beginning of Derby. I, I adore her. She's one of my favorite humans, but like a lot of people would come to the park just to like snap a picture and be like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a derby girl at the skate park, you know? And I was like, that's cool. Like, if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. And so I, I don't know how I got connected. Oh, I guess it was because we all worked at the same place, but I got connected with a skateboarder, my friend, Jeff, and another person that we worked with, Rob, who has a son. And I, I mean, he was pretty young at the time. Like maybe he was, I don't know, like eight or nine. I'm really bad with ages and kids. They're all just kids. <laughs> But so it was like me on my roller skates who could barely skate, Jeff who like rips on his skateboard and then Ben and, and, and then Rob would just like shout at me and tell me to like, like do this, do that, do that. He's like our skate park dad. So we were this like uh, odd crowd of people at the skate park together. And slowly, like I had friends who left Derby and they wanted to join me or they were still in Derby and they were like, whoa, that looks awesome. Like, I want to go do that with you. And so now we have like a nice little crew of people um, in Madison. And I've seen like these little crews kind of like sprout up that are not associated with like CIB or Moxie. Like they've created their own skate clubs that are not based around like brands and like marketing. Some of them have like built their own DIY spaces. Um, And so, yeah, it's like totally blown up. And I see a lot of people going and buying skates and just never going through Derby. Madison is still pretty focused on Derby. Um, You know, it's a small city. Like it doesn't even feel like a city to me. It's like 250,000 people. It's like very, very tiny compared to LA where I grew up. So like here, a lot of people, all they see is, you know, MRD and like that's, that's how they join skating. So it's, it's been really cool for me to see like all over the world, like people just going to skating, like just going straight to jam skating or just going straight to park skating and kind of like bypassing the derby experience altogether and having that space for those people to 
to be on skates. Yeah, to have an alternative, to be able to choose to that's dope too. Yeah, I agree. I, I um it's fascinating to me to to see how people have like they're picking lanes or going different lanes. It's dope. I wanted to ask you also, what was it like to skate here or there in Madison versus going having that experience at the World Cup with Team Iran? Iran, I should say. Yeah, so I found out about the team through like a frogmouth post and one of my friends and coaches in Madison tagged me in the post and was like, Oh my God, there's this like Iranian team that's trying to form. You've got to be a part of this. I was like, hell yeah, I definitely want to do this. So I got in contact with the team. And at the time there were like eight of us, maybe it was really small. I mean, we didn't grow that much further past eight. (laughs) Uh, We had 11 people. We played all of our games, every single game with 11 people. So we worked really hard for a year. We made merch, we fundraised, like we had some issues with PayPal and GoFundMe because like it's a team Iran and people were like, wait a minute, US sanctions, like you can't be funneling money into Iran. Like, what are you doing? We're like, no, really. Goodness. We're we're like a team of like diaspora. None of us live in Iran. Like some of us hold passports, but like we don't live there and we're not funneling money into Iran. And also like, fuck you. Cause these U S sanctions are insane. And also absurd. like systemic racism. Hello. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so that eventually led to us changing our name to team IRN. So we removed the a, which was kind of like, ended up being like our, our motto, like give us our a back or like, we're going to hand you our, hand you your A or whatever. (laughs) And so we met in London a week before we had, we had skaters from um, France, New Zealand, US, uh, like UK. Did I say Sweden? Uh, Sweden and Denmark and Netherlands. So, and then, so we had 12 skaters and then one of our skaters found out that she was pregnant And so she had to make a really tough call and was like, you know, I'm not going to go. I can't, I don't want to skate and, you know, harm the baby. And her husband was there as a ref, which was awesome because we got to meet her husband, but she ended up not traveling. And so, um, so we met up in London and like going there and like meeting everybody, like the first day was like going on, like having like first date, like nerves, because it's like, you know, I've been like talking to these people for a year and I've never met them. And like, am I going to be awkward? Like it was really sweet. And um, we all met up and it was just like really exciting. Like the energy was so good. And, you know, it was also really cool to meet a bunch of skaters who, who shared like that same like cultural background and who I could relate to on this level of like Derby, because growing up, I didn't really have a lot of Iranian friends. Like, we didn't have a lot of money. A lot of Iranians in LA have a lot of money. Like I couldn't really connect to like my peers in LA. Like I remember this girl had like a BMW and like a fancy cell phone and like all this shit. And I was like, Oh wow, that is like so not my life. And also I'm like over here, like listening to Bjork and like, (laughs) you know, we can't relate to that. (laughs) So yeah, we trained really hard for, I think we had like 
four practices in London. And then we all kind of like smushed up into a couple of cars and drove to Manchester. We met like at this big truck stop and like had dinner, which was kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, like we played Italy or Switzerland, Italy, Brazil, and Korea. And we only won our game against Korea. We lost all of our all of our other games. And somehow we ended up 23rd, which was really cool. Which, I mean, like some of the PR skaters at the time had like one year of experience. And like they, their skill set just like blossomed over that two weeks. And it was so amazing to see, you know, their skills grow, their teamwork grow, like, you know, just everything. It was so cool. It was, it was by far, like, I thought like my goal was to like go to D1 playoffs in Derby. Like that was my goal. And then, and then being part of that team, getting to play at the world cup was just like, Oh, this is why I joined roller derby. Like this moment, like this group of people, like this was it. I love it. I'm so glad you were able to live that. I love that. I'm, I hope to one day aspire to go to the World Cup and meet fam, live with fam and, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it just seems like such a magical experience. And wow. like everybody so is like feeling that on all the, on like the other teams too. Like when we played Brazil, like that was such a, like such a fun game. Cause I mean, we were pretty closely matched. So it was just kind of like, they're ahead, we're ahead, they're ahead, we're ahead. And like, we're all like laughing. And I'm just like saying like the one phrase that I know in Portuguese. And it's like, they're just like laughing at me, but it's like funny. And I, love I don't it. know, like, yeah. So it was, it was just such a wonderful event to be a part of. That's great. Um, do you see yourself getting, being involved in Team Iran's um, next World Cup run? I mean, obviously not necessarily playing, but somehow being involved in the team. Structure. Yeah. I, w- I won't be, I definitely won't be skating. I would love to coach, hmm. bench, be awesome. like whatever. Like w- we still have our group chat and we talk regularly and stuff. So I haven't heard when the next one will be. I thought it was going to be next year, but there, I don't, yeah. So I don't know. And it kind of depends on where it is and, uh, you know, I, but I'd love to be a part of it in some way. Yeah. So now I learned of you through the Bipaku Skate and mm-hmm. your involvement in the like greater skate community. Can you tell me how that project started and what made you create it? Yeah. Uh, I, so this kind of goes back a few years to when I would see Olive and their partner at the Midwest Brouhaha, which is this big, derby there are like two tracks at once in in milwaukee is that how y'all met well we didn't we didn't meet there i would just see them and their partner like walking around and i was like oh they're so cool like i really want to be friends with them like and i've i've told all of this story like a thousand times they're probably sick of hearing about it but and then i so like qsa happened in november of 20 18 I think that's yeah cuz this November will be their 2 year anniversary. And and a couple months before that I that's kind of like in August, August of 2018, September 2018. That's when like my frustration started to build. And that frustration was that's like everywhere I look, like I only see 
white and white passing skaters. Like what's up with that? So I had the idea to start that page that summer, like early fall, but then my time kind of got preoccupied with the shred shed, which we can come to later. Cause I know you have a question about that. And so once, once that was all kind of like established, I reached out to Olive and this, that, like, this is how we became, you know, close friends. I reached out to Olive and was like, Hey, I really, really love what you're doing with QSA. Like I have mad respect for you. Like this is much needed for the community. And I had this idea last summer. I couldn't execute on it. And I want, you know, I want to do that now. Like I, I have the time to like plan it out and do it well. Um, like, can I have your permission kind of, you know, because I wanted to like follow some of the stuff that they were doing, like the Q and A's and everything like that. And, you know, they were like, Oh my God, I'm flattered that you would, you would ask my permission, like, please go do this. Like, of course, like I'm always here to like talk and help and bounce ideas back and forth. And I was like, yeah, same here. Like, like we're going to be BFFs forever now. Um, and that's, yeah. So, so that was the end of January, 2018. And, you know, it kind of ended up turning into this big thing where, you know, a lot of my focus was on these two brands in particular, not because there aren't other brands that do similar stuff, but because those two brands have so much power in this community. And, and, and ultimately though, that's the image that a lot of people see when, you know, if they're bypassing Derby, they go straight to those two brands and that's what they see. And when they see people who they can't relate to, you know, like their gender identity or their sexuality or their color of their skin, like any of that, they're, you know, the size of their body, like maybe they're skating at the skate park in a wheelchair, you know, like when they don't have that person to connect to that looks like them and is having a similar experience, which, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, it shows people that they don't belong and that they're not welcome. And so my whole thing was like, we're creating a space for black indigenous skaters of color, you know, following in the footsteps of like the black roller derby network, team indigenous, Jewish roller derby. Like this wasn't a new idea, you know, other groups were already doing this. And now we have black diaspora roller derby as well. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to just create a space where it's like, we're all coming together as you know, marginalized skaters, sharing our stories, learning how we relate to each other, learning how we differ from each other. And the other thing that I wanted to do was create a space for skaters of all abilities, because you usually see that like pie in the sky, like skater who's doing a backflip or like a 360 over a spine. And like, that's not a skill set that people are going to just achieve the first moment they put, you know, skates on their feet. So I will still get messages from people saying like, Oh, I just started skating. Like, is my voice important in the community? I'm like, yes, of course it is. Like you're a skater. You're part of this community. Like, I don't care how long you've been here. Like, welcome, welcome to the community. Hope you stay here for a while. Like answer these questions. This is a community page. Like it's about you. It's about all of us. 
Right. No, that's another reason why people might not feel welcome and say this isn't for me is when they put the skates on for the first time and they can't do like the 360. They're like, well, I'm shit, you know, because they don't see those people who are just starting out and who, uh, you know, they just don't they they don't see the they don't see the eggshells. They only see like the finished omelet. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's that's awesome that you do that. That's really, really great. And what have you learned from from doing from this BPAC who skate project? I've learned that while a lot of people really value this work and I get a lot of love from people all over, like, you know, through comments on skater feature posts or just people messaging me saying like, Oh my God, thank you. Like, this page is amazing. Like it's helped me through like X, Y, Z issue or, you know, whatever, or like people just reaching out to me and wanting to talk about something that they're experiencing and they're looking for advice. Um, And while there is that large group of people, there are still a lot of people that don't see the value in this work and don't understand that skating should be joyful for everybody, not just like fit, you know, able-bodied like cis white lady especially BIPOC skaters they come in having these experiences in their daily life like they should not be having those experiences in any kind of skating and so like that continues to inspire me to do more work because I know like the more I do this work and the more positive you know feedback I get I, the more I learn that there's still so much work that needs to be done. But there's a need. So that's been, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not, just, I mean, you started, you opened an, like an Instagram, but that, I feel like that really undersells all that you do. Like it's, it's, it feels like it's so much more. You've run fundraisers, you've, you know, you, 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 you know, yeah. you've, you've just, you've, you sponsor events. Like how, how do you go about taking on these projects and deciding how to incorporate things and just walk me through that process? Yeah. So the, the first thing that I, that I got, like the little first piece of merch that I got were stickers from uh, Manila Ice who skates in Minnesota And then also skates with team Philippines works for like a sticker company. And I knew that from, you know, just we're Midwest skaters. Like I know her. And so I reached out and said, Hey, I want, you know, my friend, uh, shout out to Carly Doty. Thank you for making me the most beautiful water, watercolor. Who's also actually the partner of Rob skate park dad, who yells at me all the time at the skate park. (laughs) Um, so I got the stickers and I also ordered some, some patches. And the idea was that like we'd spread awareness and support for black indigenous skaters of color in our community. And I invested a couple hundred dollars of, of my own money that I've never paid myself back for. And basically whatever money that I brought in, I donated. And so for 2019, I think that ended up being like close to a thousand dollars which isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, but 
you know, it's still something. It's something. Like, it's more than nothing. It's yeah. it's definitely a lot. It's something someone's rent, someone's meal for like six months. Like Yeah. Like yeah. So so we donated to Launch Good. They had a fundraiser going for the families of the victims in the mosque shootings in New Zealand, and that was close to three hundred. Um and then the and then we had over six hundred and fifty dollars to races texas yeah yeah and then uh there was a little over a hundred that went to the uh, girls for a change foundation um or like chapter in virginia that was part of the roll call fundraiser so um so that like i don't know like you know people love merch people love stickers they love patches and so i was like this will be a cool way to you know, spread awareness and raise support and then also like, you know, raise some donations and stuff. So at the end of last year, uh, I put in an order for some, some merch like sweaters and tanks and stuff like that. And that was quite a bit more of an investment. So my plan for that is once I break even, I'm going to donate the money that I make. So basically it's like, I'm running a business that I have to file taxes on, but I don't pay myself. Um, so yeah, like just trying to like tap into that, like roller skaters love buying merch and then also like then give the money that I, you know, cause you I have a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. Just so. spread the good. I wanted to show you, I think, I don't know if you could see it, but uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> this might've backfired on me, but my jean jacket that has my patch on it is like oh, right here. Awesome. <laughs> I wish I could show it to you, but that's a sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Okay. This um, precarious yeah. Fish. So like with little like events that people have like skate park meetups and stuff, they'll, they'll, you know, message me and say, Hey, can you send some stickers or patches or whatever? I'm like, yeah, totally. You know, uh, so we've had a couple of a couple of meetups and stuff, and then Olive and I had the had the rollout in November in LA, which was really fun. And um, we didn't do it in like Long Beach at the beach. We did it more inland because one of the a trend that I had seen was um, that a lot of the rollouts are at the beach, and so it's not like super accessible to everybody. And so we wanted to do a rollout in a different part of LA instead of just doing it at the same place, going down the same path and stuff. So um, that was really, that was really awesome. And I got to meet like a bunch of people that I had been like messaging with. And so that was really cool. I'm also like just so shy. So I feel like I like stood in a corner and was like, oh, don't look at me. (laughs) That's awesome. And how did the shirt shed come about? So going through PT and getting back into park skating that summer, I you know, as it started to get colder and it would like, you know, rain and stuff, like, it's like, I can't, I can't not continue to do this. The closest indoor park to Madison is about an hour away and it's 15 bucks to skate. And so that, that becomes like both cost and time prohibitive to, to be able to do it regularly. Um, But I love that skate park, Four Seasons Skate Park in Milwaukee. They have shown us nothing but love to to the roller skaters. Um, They're like just, I mean, it's that place was built by skateboarders for skateboarders. And they've like opened their hearts to to us on roller skates and, you know, all all wheels. Like they're, they have like a, 
BMX track, you know, I see kids on scooters there, blades, everything. Like they're just a really welcoming crew of, of um, people. And, um, but, you know, because I wanted to be able to do it more regularly, I thought, hey, why don't I just rent like a thousand square feet, like tiny little corner of a warehouse or something like that. So I kind of began to look into it and put some feelers out to see like which friends would want to do it with me. And, you know, like every day I would like scour like LoopNet is the the website for like warehouse rentals and like Craigslist and, you know, all sorts of like realtor websites. And, and I found the space on Craigslist and I reached out to the guy and was like, you know, here's what we want to do. Actually, I reached out to a couple of people. The first guy that I spoke to was not cool. He was like, we don't want, you know, drinking, drugs, nothing. I was like, well, way to make a bunch of assumptions about me. Okay. Like, no, thank you. Um, And the second person was, he was just really kind and was like, yeah, that sounds kind of awesome. Like, here's like, here's just what we ask of you and which was like totally reasonable. And so, yeah, we have 1300 square feet. We started with three foot tall, eight foot wide, which is if you're on a skateboard, it's like not that fun to skate because you, there's just eight feet of coping, you know, and we made it like from scratch, like, you know, like we bought the plywood. We, I used a jigsaw for the first time. I have a photo of me somewhere like holding a jigsaw with like a bandana over my face and like safety goggles. And like, I grew up in LA. I lived in an apartment my whole life. We never had a garage with power tools. I like totally new experience, but like the joy of skating on something that you built with your own like blood, sweat and tears is just, it's, it's priceless. You know? I can't even imagine. That sounds, I, it's almost freaking a tear to my eye. Like that is oh. so dope. That is so yeah. dope. Wow. Yeah. What does that yeah. cost? What is, I mean, if, not, if you don't mind me asking like renting a, a space like that. So we pay, we pay $500 a month for, for our space. Yeah. Welcome to Wisconsin. <laughs> gonna like yeah. Like this right here would probably be like five hundred dollars. Yeah, your month. closet. <laughs> you get a new roommate. <laughs> I'm saying, wow. Oh, yeah. So wow. we have um a group of key holders, and we all pitch in to pay to pay the rent. And so when we first started, we like we were all paying one hundred percent of the rent, and any money that we brought in. So like. One of our key holders, Jeff, who was also there with with Skate Park Dad back in 2014, like, you know, friends till the end, he fronted the money to pay for the materials that we needed for the ramp. And um, and then once we once we had the ramp built and we were bringing in like session donations, which we asked five bucks for people to skate there. And then that was so that would slowly like you know whittle away at the cost of the ramp. So the ramp itself, our first ramp was it wasn't it was like six hundred dollars for all the materials, and we got the steel like uh, like literally like across the warehouse parking lot from like the steel place that was just really conveniently you know located Meant to be <laughs> yeah. And so for a while we had this all we had was this eight foot ramp a little quarter pipe that was that Jeff brought in and a P rail that my partner and I built in our living room. And then in May, uh, the news came out that Chicago shred union 
um, Cuban was going to close down La Bodega because she's about to embark on this um, van journey with her, with her partner Lenny. And so we fundraised to buy the ramps from her. So that happened in May. And well, and prior to that, I was teaching some like group lessons, like intro to pumping basically and raised, you know, I think like, $300, $350 for a spine and a manual pad. So it's just been really wonderful how our local community has also come out and supported us. The local like newspaper did a little thing on us, even though it's like a secret DIY space, which like added to the allure of the article. (laughs) So wait, does the, when did this start? When did you start looking at all of this? Yeah. That was 2018. Uh, September, October, November, we started renting the space in December of 2018. And we used that first, that first whole month to build the ramp basically. Um, and, and then our, and our first session was New Year's Eve 2018. So we had mm-hmm. our first anniversary a little over a year ago. I love it. Oh, yeah. man. And so this is so interesting to me because also, as we've, you know, in the jam skating world, rinks have closed and have had a really hard time remaining open with the economy and rising yeah. real estate and what have you. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm asking, what is the what is the secret? What is the key difference? Is it like a, a matter of like insurance or like paying for staff or I don't know what... Is it just le- less like overhead for? Oh a- yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, is this like what would you call this? Like a it's indoor a skate park? Like indoor- it's not. I mean, I wouldn't even call it space. that just because it's not a public space. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have hours, we don't have staff. Like it's just a group of friends that are like we share the the bay that we're in of the warehouse with like seed storage, which like couldn't be any more Wisconsin and like hay storage (laughs) like there's literally seed and hay and bats we have we've got bats it's kind of kind of exciting you're like dropping in you're like oh god is this bat gonna like swoop into my helmet (laughs) that's amazing yeah um and it's it's also a little bit outside of Madison so if we were in Madison proper I don't know that we'd be able to do something like that and and it would be way more expensive and, and we'd have a lot more eyes on us. So it's, mm-hmm. it's been pretty, we've kept it quiet enough that we're, and we're very respectful of like the people around us and whatnot. And, and yeah, like with rinks, you have like, whether or not people skate, like you have to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. And here we have a key holder system and, and yeah, like I said, we don't have staff to pay. Like you're assuming like all ins- liability too. Like it's, yeah. 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 So that's interesting. That's, but it's definitely a model to look into. Like if you're, if you're in a part of this country or another country where the rent and the land is relatively accessible, like that's dope. That's really amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that your collaborators, see, like, as we talked, you're like, and here comes skate park again. It's like the same sort of, you, you keep a lot of the same longtime collaborators and like you've, you're building your community yeah. and you have your, your folks that you work with. I love that. And that, you know, you just yeah, have like I, this like longtime core group. Of we people. have a really solid little like crew here. It's small, but it's mighty. Like we have each other's backs. Like, and I, yeah, I, I, 
could not have done it without them. Like you can't build a ramp on your own, you know? <laughs> so you can't yeah, into space on your own. Like, right. Just, what fun would it be? <laughs> like, yeah. It sounds really, it sounds like a blast. Uh, yeah, how often really do you go? Awesome. How often do you do it? Well, you know, obviously right now with COVID, uh, mm-hmm. none of us are going there, but we, we have public sessions twice a week. So I would, you know, post that through the Instagram, like public as in like open to, you know, you friends. know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, right. And then basically as a key holder, you can go whenever, whenever you want. So, you know, I try to go twice a week and then I, you know, if I have time, I try to go another day per week, but I usually end up, I usually end up skating like twice a week. That's so great. Yeah. I love that. Has your view of the skate world and community evolved in your six years, seven years that you've been involved? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely entered very naive, I want to say, and just like stars in my eyes, like, oh my God, like roller derby is amazing. I will sacrifice my body to this sport. I, I've had multiple concussions. I had concussions where I never stopped playing. I never stopped. And that's the advice that I got from a coach. So, you know, I look, when I look back on it, I can't say, you know, if I had a chance to do it over, I can't say that I like, like, no, I definitely wouldn't do it because it's, it was, and still is a huge part of my identity that I played roller derby. But I wish there was like a, not like an idiot's guide to roller derby, but just like, here's a bunch of shit. Some people who've retired would want you to know <laughs> guide to roller, roller derby and roller skating. And that's not a bad idea. <laughs> that's yeah. a very good, I bet, I'm sure a lot of people would read it. Yeah. And I guess too, with like racism in roller derby and transphobia in roller derby, when I was, when I was in it, it's almost like I didn't, I didn't see it or I didn't want to see it or I didn't want to like my mom raised me to be the person who would, who always speaks up and always says something. And, and there was a lot of fear and retaliation, like generally in Derby that if you speak up and you, you know, about anything, like even bullying, like you have fear that you'll lose your spot on the team or like, there will be some sort of retaliation or you'll, you won't be rostered, you know? And so I think that I placed too much value selfishly in, in not even like, I don't even know, like if it wasn't even conscious, you know, like in, in being able to play and not, you know, I, I spoke out many times about the bullying that I saw in my league and I experienced bullying myself, but it wasn't until after I left and took off those, like, what is it? Like rose colored glasses. Is that the expression that I was like, Oh shit, you know? And then I thought, you know, I'm not in, I'm not a member of the WFTDA. I'm not in Derby. I can't change anything about this. I can't do anything about this. I'm going to go park skate where the community is awesome and open and loving and accepting. And then it was like, oh, wait, shit, I have to take the second pair of rose colored glasses off my face that I forgot I still had on. And like, oh my God, what the fuck, you know? And then again, having been inspired by the work that Olive does with QSA. I was like, wait a minute, I do have 
power here. Like I can be that annoying person that those brands hate on social media and that thorn in WIFTA side. And that's been kind of cool because I'm on the WIFTA accountability committee now. So, you know, there are a handful of us that are like kind of running these like alternative, I mean, not even organizations, like we're not nonprofits, you know what I mean? But like these movements that people are listening to and paying attention to and like, like second and thirding and, you know, like thousands of likes and things like that, where WIFT is like, oh, we should, we should work with them, you know? Um, I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) All good, but you brought up a lot of stuff that I was wondering about. What is the work of the accountability committee for, for WIFT today? So it's been a little slow over the past month or two because they have, I'm sure just like some gnarly stuff to deal with, with COVID and like putting out a uniform message and expectations for leagues. And then also like canceling stuff, (laughs) like the big things that they do every year, you know, basically like the purpose, the reason why they're around is like gone for the year kind of, but the goal is to, is to get community feedback through these other channels and to use that to inform the types of decisions that the WIFTA needs to make and, and also give us access to their resources. And it's, so it's kind of like a, I, you know, you help us collect feedback and, you know, have an ear to the ground and work with us to better address the needs of the community and, you know, we can help you come to events and, and things like that. Not like that they'll fly us out there. It's not like that at all. But like, you know, here's a pass for an event or something like that. Or like, here's like, here's an ad for you. So it's just kind of like a reciprocity. Like, so. Um, Who else and then also that just, committee? There's a bunch of people. So, you know, Team Indigenous is represented. QSA, Derby Without Borders. There's a list and I feel awful for not remembering who else is on there. But like I recently used it as a forum for like, hey, the skater reached out to me and had this experience and it sounds like very, I mean, not very, it was racist. It was like transphobic. What, you know, how can I, how can I help them? What resources does the WFPD have that can help them? you know, here's the story, what are the next steps? So, so in a way it helps me because like, I'm not a part of the WFTDA anymore. And so I don't want to just willy nilly, like tell a skater what they can and can't do. Um, And then they hear that these types of things are happening in their member leagues, you know, I mean, they're obviously aware of it, but every, every example that we can bring to them is just another like, piece of coal for that fire to make the changes that really need to happen that's so good and so so necessary i'm really glad when did you begin your participation on the committee just a couple of months ago and we're still forming our like agreements with them and like you know what they what they i mean i shouldn't even say like what they expect from us because they don't really you know 
they want to create a space for us to be able to share the issues that our communities are facing. And so there's not like an expectation, like we don't, you know, it's not like a, unless you hold up your end of the bargain, like we're not going to hold up ours. So we're working out these like agreements where it's basically like, you're part of this group, like here's, here's what the WIFTA will do for you and, and what you have access to and how you can like spread that through your community and whatnot. So it's, I've only been involved for a couple of months and it's been fairly quiet because of COVID. And, and so we're still, yeah, still working on the agreements for now. Oh, good, good, good. I can't wait to hear more about it. I wish I had more like specifics slash meaningful stuff to share about it. It's still very much in the works. Nascent. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds like it. So to wrap up, I like to ask people their self-care tips. So do you have a self-care tip? I would say my self-care tip is setting boundaries and like sticking to them. So whether that means like I'm setting a boundary for a friendship or a project at work and just really being in touch with my with myself and my needs and yeah, boundary setting is just it's huge. That means saying no to things sometimes, sometimes things that you want to do, but you have to protect your time. And ultimately, setting those boundaries helps with other self-care things like having time to do the dishes and have a clean kitchen, not being stressed out about like laundry. So setting those boundaries like with your time, like emotional boundaries as well. If you if you have a friend that comes and talks to you a lot about their problems and, you know, maybe setting a boundary with them is saying, Hey, you know, in the future, can you ask me if it's okay to talk to me about something, you know, because it's just so easy with like technology, you can just shoot off a text and you have no idea what's going on in the other person's day or world because it's, you're just tapping on a screen, you know? So yeah, boundary setting for sure. You know, I mean, I might get on my Oprah right now and sound really cheesy, but I find that when you say no to people and when you say no to things, you're saying yes to yourself. Like, yes, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's affirming for you because you get those dishes done and all of those like tiny little things that may seem insignificant, but are are tiny are grading. Yeah. Well, it's like a bunch of little paper cuts and you have like a giant gash on your arm. (laughs) It's true. What, would you like to hold space for? This is your free space to get whatever you want off your mind. I do a lot of volunteering at this local food pantry and they're just like a super special part of, of the Madison community. They, they serve a ton of people from all different backgrounds and religions and, you know, reasons for why they're there. And yeah, I, I'm just, really sad that I can't be volunteering with them right now. My partner is immunocompromised. And so I can't expose myself because anything that I bring home is much worse for him. So, and I, you know, I've, I've become really close with their director there. So I just, I want to hold some space for, for Rhonda, Rhonda at River Food Pantry, who I know is working hard right now to help people still you know, get their meals and the the kids with their mobile lunch, you know, PB&Js and stuff like that. So, yeah. And last but not least, your MVP. Oh, and no, no, actually, this is second to last, but not least. (laughs) 
yeah, I like Olive. <laughs> you know, I've I've mentioned them a number of times throughout throughout the other questions and stuff, but yeah, Olive is I I don't I would be lost without them. Like they have such a grounding, calm presence in my life and you know, most days it's like we don't stop texting from when we wake up to, you know, going to sleep. <laughs> so you know, as I said, they've been a huge inspiration to the work that I do and just like a really amazing, kind friend and has helped me through just a lot of personal non-derby related stuff. And and their partner, Drea, is also just so wonderful. And I adore the, the two of them. And, and it's funny because they're from the Midwest and I'm from LA and they live in LA now and I'm out here. So it's it's really convenient because when they come, they come home, I can see them. And then when I go out there, I can see them too. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. That's so good. And yeah. okay. My last question is what's your post pandemic vision? Like what, you know, what do you see after, after we've, after this has run its course and we're back to normalcy? I don't see us going back to normalcy. Like what is normalcy, can, right? I don't, people yeah. didn't see that. Like I, I held my finger up, my fingers up and did like quotation marks for no normalcy because yeah. what is that? What is, what is that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely not what we Once we're, we're no longer before. in sheltering in place, right? Once we're no longer, you yeah. know, once it doesn't kill us to go outside. <laughs> like once we're able yeah. to like hug each other and see our families and be be normal human beings, I should say. Yeah, I saw uh, the Meg, the person that runs Derby Without Borders, posted this meme that was like, when I when I get out of shelter in place, I'm going to French kiss all my friends for 45 minutes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, okay, the, so to, your, to, to answer your question, we cannot go back to the way things were done before you know, especially in this country. People don't have housing. People don't have access to food. People don't have access to education. People are drowning in debt. We just, like, health insurance. These are all basic things that we should have covered. And this whole experience has shown me how beautiful people can be, how, how, much, how many people place value in community over individualism, but it has emphasized so intensely like that american that like true american like value of individualism where you're placing your own needs over the needs of other people and that was just like proven by like the sheer stupidity and people hoarding fucking toilet paper like that makes no sense like we need access to housing we need health insurance for everybody we need a livable wage especially like for for everybody especially people who are you know running grocery stores delivering food cooking food working at uh uh food pantries still you know what i mean like those are all jobs that we all need to respect collectively like we can't go back to this capitalist mentality of like boss makes millions of dollars and like the peasants down at the bottom just like eat shit that's unacceptable and I think that this can really like radicalize people. And I mean, 
this has affected everybody, even white ass Trump voters, this has affected them. And so I hope that they can see (laughs) that, that Trump does not give a shit about them and that they will, that they'll change, that they'll learn, that they'll grow. Like, like we just have to do something differently. Like I saw a Bernie tweet from a little bit ago that said like universal healthcare and free education isn't radical. Like Godzilla standing on a frozen lake and not the ice, not breaking. Like that was radical. Like that's crazy. Like other people are already doing this shit. Like why can't we, it might suck for a while, you know, it might get a little crazy, but like we can get there. Thank you. Yeah. It baffles me. It baffles me the way that this is the richest country in the world and our priorities and our mentalities are so skewed and so topsy-turvy, like upside down. It just, it makes no sense. And I am living here in the most unequal city and state. Mm -hmm. I I don't get it. So no, I'm with you. Like we all need to come together to fight against the common enemy, which is capitalism greed capitalism capitalism white supremacy like uh, it's unacceptable absolutely and the way that they're trying to to put the economy which is capitalism over lives human life they're trying to like sacrifice and the irony is that the 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 same ones who are like (laughs) pro-life are the first ones that are like they're not pro-life get back to work (laughs) like you know your grandmother would want you to they're the ones who are pro-military they're the ones who are funding pro-prison the budget. yeah yeah and you're not that's you're not pro-life if you want to send someone's kid yeah. to kill someone else's kid who's just a couple shades darker and so pro-gun <laughs> like, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah they're not sense. i fucking i hate that term pro-life like mm-hmm. they're they're pro-fetus they're pro money they're like, pro-bodily <laughs> control that's what they want yeah agreed yeah. uh Neon, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. I thank you for having me. I th- thank you for coming. Like this <laughs> you're you're one of the the, the dream <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. Oh. I tell you, you know, there wouldn't be a this wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be a podcast without without a Bipak who skates, you know, and without you behind it, it you definitely were the catalyst and the motivation to to again create the the space for the platform for more visibility and for more amplification of the marginalized voices within skating and so in yeah. the skate world so thank you well thank you for making the podcast and creating and holding more space like i love that this project came out of the work that I did and i'm equally inspired by you and the work that you do so thank you for doing that Thank you, Neon. For all Thank of us. You. Trying, trying here. <laughs> trying in my closet. <laughs> sitting in You're there. doing great. <laughs> <Over there. laughs>